Commander, what happened? Get the Vesalius moving now! Get ready to deploy the mobile suits! Have the Heusinger and the Heldigen do the same! Are you sure? Did you think we would come all this way and do nothing? No matter what, we cannot let the Earth Forces get their hands on those machines! But, sir! I'm going to! Have my Sagu prepped! I'll be on the bridge shortly. <sighs> <laughs> and I'll need your help as well. This is my final gamble. To see if the door will be opened. Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best, and as far as I know, only episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast. My name is Jeremy. I am Tyler. My name is Zach. Yeah, I don't know why we all said it that way this time. <laughs> Jeremy started it, so I, I just went with it. Yeah, me too. You know, put the emphasis on a weird word sometimes. See what happens. We are watching episode 43 slash 45, if you're watching the original version. The opening door. It's very Raul Crusade heavy, if you're into that. Tyler. Are you ready for Rao's secrets to be revealed, finally? I am. I have been waiting for this for such a long time. I'm still thinking he's a clone of Moo. That would make sense. Moo clone. There are lots of double helixes in them intros. That's, that is true. Almost as many as boobs for I no mean, reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and wait until we get to Gundam Seed Destiny. Spoiler, I've already watched this episode. I am very disappointed with Rao's thing. Yeah, I'm sure we will talk about that in probably great detail. Before we get to that, though, if you're new, this series is almost over. I mean, I'm starting to agree with Zach, and maybe you should go back, but... <laughs> At this point, maybe you should watch from yeah, not maybe, this episode. Maybe you should go back a few episodes, because we're, we're like four from the end. On the other hand, this is the origin story of the main character and the main antagonist. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I know. It doesn't really add anything to the plot, I feel. It's kind of just forced in for absolutely no real reason. That's kind of what I felt, unless it has plot relevance later. It has some thematic relevance, but it's one of the weakest parts of the series, definitely. I will talk about that. I will probably be defending it as much as any of us are, but I am not very big into this little plot twist either. All right. Shall so we open this door? Yeah. If you're new here, Kira Yamato's our main character. He's Wait. really good at everything. It's Kira Yamato. So good that he convinced his best friend, Atherin, to stop being his worst enemy and, and let Kira date his girlfriend. <laughs> he has a really high charisma stat and also really high intelligence stat. Uh, I don't think Kira has a high charisma stat. Yeah, that is true. He's actually really awkward all the time, but he keeps convincing people to do things. He has, like, a lack of client on his side. Oh, she has a true. very high charisma stat. I'm pretty sure charisma and wisdom were Kira's dump stats. Maybe he just has a Jedi mind trick. Although that's a wisdom-based power, so I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I derailed us a bit there. Uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, uh, Raleigh Crusade is a bad guy. He really hates Muva Flaga, who's Kira Yamato's cool uncle. They have a new type connection, and they want to murder each other. Uh, I don't know that I ever got the feeling that Rao really hates Mu. Mu hates him, but I don't think the feeling is mutual. I think Rao hates everyone equally. He hates everyone equally. That theory checks out. <laughs> it does, yeah. Izak and Diarka are cool. They, they're friends who are now on the opposite side. Izak is very angry all the time. Yeah, they started out as just Red Oni, Blue Oni. I was explaining anime tropes to Alex the other day. 
And now they they actually have characters of their own. They're not just defined by each other. It's kind of nice. I mean, Diarca is way cooler now because Isaac's just like, grr, noble warrior. I want to be the Vegeta of this series. <laughs> but you, he's not nearly that interesting. Uh, also, there's uh, Mutai Azrael, who Zach hates. God, I hate that twat. <laughs> who is a kind of one-note villain. That's why I hate him so much. He's only kind of one-note. As Jeremy pointed out, there's like a cool hypocrisy element that we get with him using the drugs to make his super warriors super. It's kind of neat. Because he's just th- evil for the sake of being an evil well, yeah, mostly that. Pro- antagonist. Mo- mostly he's just evil, but he's got some cool question mark mobile suits to throw at the protagonists. Eh. <laughs> cool question mark. I-, I think our list will show question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and he wears that terrible sky blue suit. Oh, on no. The I'm suit. all about yeah. that suit. <laughs> With the plum shirt. Oh, uh, my God. It's no. amazing. I no. wish I no. owned that outfit. <laughs> I would wear it all the damn time. We'd have to stop hanging out. Do I not look like a guy who can pull off a sky blue suit with a plum shirt? And you a- look surprisingly like Muta Azrael. Yeah, exactly. Wrong eye color, wrong hair color. I've got kind of the same face shape, I guess. It's because everyone has the same face shape as that guy, except for Jeremy. Yeah, actually, every every anime character has the same face shape is really what's going on there. Are there any characters we forgot? There's Nataro and Maru. They're at each other's throats right now. Yeah, they used to be kind of space friends, but now they've got... Nataro inherited the Dark Archangel, the Dark Angel, if you will. Well, they've all they've also kind of gone overboard with the uh, friends on opposite sides now. now. Now everyone has a friend on the opposite side. To be fair, a lot of people have fewer friends on the opposite side. Like, Ikira and Nathar now are on the same side. Ikira doesn't have any friends over there anymore. Well, yes, now that Kira and Athrin are on the same side, everybody else has friends on opposite sides. Mu doesn't have any friends, as far as I can tell. Which, which is, is sad, weird. because you think people would want to hang out with them. Maybe they all died. Yeah. Maybe they all died in the first episode, and we're supposed to be Gundam pilots. <laughs> I'm trying to... Oh, yeah, Kigali's there. She's not in this episode. That can pretty much sum up... <laughs> I know. I think she appears in the I rest like of the series. I like her so much. She's such a good character, and she doesn't get to do anything. Yeah, I know. I, I, I definitely feel you there. Wait till Destiny, where she really doesn't get to do anything. <laughs> I just love how she reacts to every situation. She's just like she's the best at being hugged. Yeah, she, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> she's got sweet being really embarrassed uh, while being hugged skills. You haven't gotten to it yet, but the character who we were talking about earlier in My Hero, whose name I can't remember, is the best at being embarrassed. It's very good. Um, Ochako. Yeah. Okay. Uraraka. Yeah. It's I very can- very cute. In the last episode, she was just floating and could not control it. She was so embarrassed, and it was the cutest thing. (laughs) She has anti-gravity powers. Yeah, she touches things, including herself, and causes them to not be... Like, it's not anti-gravity, they just float, really. She she seems to have limited control over it, I guess. My eyebrows don't go up any higher than this. Also, she learned martial arts from the hero Gunface, because she wanted to be better at martial arts. Who she kept commenting was surprisingly cute, despite being a big buff guy. Who was, like, doing all these really feminine gestures. Oh, no. It's a great show, man. I don't... I was not expecting it. It's really good. It is. But we're talking about a different good show, Gundam Seed. And I think that's that's enough rambling about the characters. Let's so, start with the last time on clip. So yeah, Azrael was being... Last time, Azrael was being addicted to Tarl. She was trying to be reasonable. Maru was overreacting. Well, maybe not overreacting. She was just being very stressed while almost dying. Izak and Diarca was like, dramatic confrontation. Actually, Izak was like, dramatic confrontation. And Diarca was like, 
hey man, how's it going? Yo. It's been a while. <laughs> like he was surprisingly chill about the whole thing. Rel was being was the like, Joker. Ah, yeah, oh, you, you beat me to it. But yes, that was exactly what was happening. Does that make Isaac Harley? <laughs> I think that makes Flay Harley. <laughs> oh yeah, no, Flay's definitely Harley. You're right. Isaac is henchman with wrench. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Moo and Kira were doing a Cowboy Bebop. Moo then proceeds to say he's not going to kill some people. He definitely tries to this episode, though. He takes a lot of, like... You mean Rao says he's not going to oh, kill him? Did I say Rue? You, you said, said Moo. Moo. Oh. Well, they're clearly clones of each other, obviously. Yeah, Rao tags Moo, says, I'm not going to kill you, and then proceeds to definitely try to kill them multiple times this episode. At the end of the last episode, he was like, It's time for dramatic reveals! And unfortunately, Kira just doesn't shoot him right then and there, which is a perfect shot. Easy. He doesn't know how to fire a gun. Yeah, Kira he, is very bad at guns. He would have messed it up anyway. Yeah, if you, if you look at his character sheet, he has improvised weapon. He's got like plus eight guns. He's got minus two. He fires so, <laughs> it. It, it ricochets like four times and hits Moo. <laughs> yeah, and he knows that. He doesn't want Maru coming after him for shooting her, her boyfriend. But that's why he always throws weapons is because he's really bad at firing them. There's a surprisingly large number of naked people in this intro for no oh, apparent Wait reason. until Gundam see Destiny, my boy. Why? It's all naked people all the time. Why? Because somebody is a little too frustrated. Also, they keep teasing this pink Gundam, and I really hope it's the Lacus Gundam, but we haven't seen it yet. So then after the opening, we get some establishing shots of the Mendel colony with some nice tanks. And by tanks, I mean vats, not, not German tanks. weapons. And Rao once again starts babbling about human dreams and how Kira's parents were not his real parents. Which we kind of already knew, and Kira's surprised by it anyway. We didn't really know it. It's heavily implied. Yeah. And when Kira asks, what are you talking about, Rao shoots him. Well, he Shoots fires at a, him. Yeah, he fires a warning shot. He's like, I guess if you knew, you wouldn't have been so awesome. Or terrible? No, I don't says, know. He wouldn't have been so normal. You know, normal guy, Kira Yamato. <laughs> <laughs> the child. <laughs> Uh, huh? You know, the first child, the one that's going to pilot the Evangelion? <laughs> Clearly. Ray? <laughs> yes. Kira Yamato is Ray Ayanami, secretly. And by that, I mean, he's the son of a researcher named Glenn Hibiki, who was the biggest target for Blue Cosmos, apparently. Yeah, because he was going to be one of the first completely artificially created children. But he survived and somehow ended up in the war. And survived a bunch of bullshit. Like, really, statistically, he should be dead. Yeah, he really should be. Yeah, when I talked about there's kind of a justification for Kira surviving, it's this. We don't know to what extent he's been modified. I mean, it, it's a stretch, but I kind of wonder if we're supposed to think there's something going on with him when he survives. I don't know. I would be okay with that, except for the fact that he should be really no different than other coordinators, except less random. Uh, it's it's them trying to explain away something with bullshit reasons that don't make any sense. I yeah. mean, Atherin survived a lot of bullshit, too. What's his excuse? Atherin is very talented. <laughs> Atherin's <laughs> just better. <laughs> Kira Yamato is just a schoolboy. We do get some very good close-up animation of Rao's face. Yeah, that's, that was a really good shot. Though. Kira starts demanding Rao explain himself instead of just spouting some anime philosophy bullshit. Uh, he says, you are the ultimate coordinator. Which, uh, and Kira's like, that's surprising, but I don't know what that means. And he's like, I allow me to continue being very vague and playing the pronoun game. Dr. Hibiki created the artificial womb, the other thing you don't know about. And you were the only successful birth. More good close-ups of Rao's sweat face, and then some of Kira's. 
And, of course, Kira's actually believing him, despite the fact that this is a guy who doesn't like him. Okay, so really Wants quick, to kill him. Let's pause it, because Rao takes a shot that would have hit Kira had Mu not tackled Kira out of the way. So that's one time he's definitely going to kill them, even though he just said that he wasn't going to. Nah, his new type's power is still the Mu would save him. As <laughs> <laughs> I was say, he's really put in a lot of faith in Mu to keep this kid alive. And then Mu is doing exactly what I've mentioned. He's telling Kira not to believe him because it's all bullshit anyway. Kira's very gullible, though. We've yes, he is. That's, that's why series. he has such a terrible wisdom score. So anyway, we cut back to the ships who are like, oh man, if those uh, enemy Gundams come, when all we got are the Estrays, we'll be screwed. We're seriously bone. I, I really like the shot of the Archangel's Bridge there because Maru just looks really bored waiting for something to happen. <laughs> hey, you watch Jarhead, right? War is 90% being bored waiting and 10% dying. <laughs> I, I, I always got the feeling that particular shot was more of kind of wrung out. Since she might also no just be kind there. of tired and pensive, but... And, you know, she just found out that her one of her previous officers is now trying to kill her. So, there's that. So, we cut to the parked duel and buster while uh, Isaac is wrapping her up for anyone who hasn't been watching the last few episodes. What? Lacus Kine, Commander Walfelt, and Anthrin are all traitors, too? You know, in theory, wouldn't you leave your, um... Wouldn't you turn the armor off? Because that's draining the battery. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a little bit like leaving the lift gate of the truck on. On the other hand, they are kind of still in a combat zone. I also kind of feel like they've a little bit forgotten about the phase armor at certain points during this show. Yeah, I kind of think they do, too. Except for when it's turning on. Basically, Isaac's sitting there like, why did you betray me? And Diarca is just staring at him like, I don't know. You ain't got no chill, man. <laughs> because you're a dick. That's <laughs> yeah. why. It all started one of my uh, when I had to face down my great one of my gravest enemies working or two of my gravest enemies working in tandem. Gravity and the guns on the <laughs> archangel. Look, there's this really cute natural girl, like really cute, like you wouldn't even believe. It's amazing. It's like, hmm. Well, Ralph the Crusade also kidnapped a cute natural girl, so I can confirm <laughs> they exist. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Atherton and the Justice. He's like, I'm taking off, and laugh because he's like, Ah, hell no, boy, you staying right there. And Atherin's like, but all of our pilots haven't returned. They might have be dead out there. And Lack is like, yeah, that's why you shouldn't go outside. Yeah, I mean, she's right. You big dumb. <laughs> and we get a dramatic Walt felt. Does he even have any lines this episode? I, I get, I get I the feeling, so. like, he turns around with his blind side forward. I get the feeling that after so long, after long enough time, he'd probably be turning around the other direction because that's the side he can actually see out How of How long has often. it actually been, though? I always get the feeling it's at least a month or two. Yeah. Because he's he's, reco- he's mostly recovered from the injuries. That said, we don't know how long, like, he might have been in a coma for a while. We True. don't know. So we get a nice shot of close-up Sadalakis. He's like, even if they're all dead, we still have to press on. That was kind of the deal. So anyway, Rao continues to Joker, and he's like, today my secret shall be revealed. I'm walking past a picture of someone important. I was also not born naturally. I like the shot that we get right after that where you've got Mu looking actually kind of professional, but, you know, he's exhausted and injured. And Kira's just, like, shell-shocked right well, next to him. I love, he keeps trying to get Kira to move, and in a couple seconds, he just, like, you can see him give up. He's like, okay, this kid's a lost cause. I need to do this myself. What I really like in this shot is the lighting. It's really red and strong, and it gives, like, a real hellish vibe. I guess there's a lot of stuff I don't like about the reveal coming up, but the role Raoul the Crusade ends up taking is kind of that of the devil. He's like <laughs> comparing him to the Joker, I think, is very apt because he kind of starts to represent chaos and like having this place look kind of like hell 
is a choice I really like. I never really got that, but that's because I was just always thinking of that as more of emergency lighting, which is always red anyway. Well, yes, but it's nice and artistic. A lot of times this show would not bother to go to that level of detail. I also kind of like the idea because Rao was like, I'm still talking and Moo is not paying attention. Yeah. Like, he's he's not listening. Yeah, Moo doesn't give a shit. But Kira's a susceptible, gullible teenager. Well, yeah, Moo doesn't Moo doesn't care because, you know, why why bother? He knows Rao's probably lying anyway. Anyway, Rao goes on and is like, you know, George Glenn maybe made a bad decision by telling everyone who was a genetically modified person and then disappearing for seven years. Then people started murdering each other and paying to make their babies cool. Which, you know, is almost exactly what would happen as soon as actual humans actually have this technology. But then we get some flashbacks to people basically creating designer babies and we find out that the mother's womb can basically like still has an effect that being a coordinator isn't a 100 percent chance to turn out exactly the way you want designed it just increases the odds although they really focus on like here's how you should like be pregnant in order to like make the baby natural and, like they we already give that advice to actual pregnant women so yeah, this might be more detailed, like, if you want a specific eye color. Like, yeah. uh, medical... Eat carrots. <laughs> if you want good eyes, eat carrots. That's, that's yeah. the trick. It's beta good iotine. Also, it was expensive, so people got upset when their babies didn't turn out right. So, uh... <laughs> Joker! <laughs> I was gonna say George Glenn, but it's oh. not that guy. So, Mr. Hibiki was like, man, you know what? I should make a fake womb so that we can just get rid of this woman variable. Then someone accidentally dumped some Kool-Aid into the fake womb, and they had a bunch of problems with it. Yeah, so we get a bunch of flashbacks, and I don't know if Rao is telling this story or if we are viewing them omnisciently at this point. Because it seems like Rao is not here for this part. Yeah, it's yeah. just, I, this whole, like, saga and deal, I, I've always hated this. There are parts of it I like. I'll get into that more next episode. But it is, they've been building to the mystery of who is Rao the Crusade this entire time, and it is a bit of a letdown. A bit? Yeah, a bit. A bit. So we, we see some incredibly stressful moments between the doctor and some woman. Presumably a lab assistant, which at that point, why are you working on this project if you clearly right. have such severe misgivings about it? Well, that's the mother, because we will. Be, it'll be established later that basically the pregnancy still had to start in a woman. So I don't know why that is, but that's how science works. Don't you know anything about it? Sure, whatever. Because I goats. So anyway, apparently a lot of these failed. There was some falling out of it. But Kira survived. But Luke Cosmos murdered... Uh, a bunch of people. Yes. In this case, specifically the uh, mother and, I guess, Kira's father, who put him in a magic science womb. I just love that shot of the doctor giving an impressive speech, and everyone's like, yeah! Artificial womb speech. And th- this is about the scene where we see Moo give up on Kira. He, like, tries shaking him one last time, and he looks over at him, grimaces, and turns back to Rao. Well, I mean, at this point, he's kind of got to go with, uh, what is actually going to keep me alive? Because babysitting this kid ain't going to do shit. But then we get a bunch of flashbacks about a bunch of bad stuff happening, and I feel like Kira and Moo are supposed to be having these flashbacks. I feel like it's just Kira in his, like, shell shock state more than Moo. My problem with this is he has flashbacks to things that we were specifically shown in the show to have not happened in his presence, or things he could have possibly known about. They weren't, like, they were things that happened at the plant? I I get the feeling that some of the things that they're showing 
are, if I remember them correctly, they're actually from George, the biography of that George Glenn guy, the first coordinator. Some of it is, but one of it is actually specifically a scene that happens in Zapt, where they... No, it's not, because I was looking at thinking of that, too, but that's actually the scene from the episode we don't like on the Invisible Satellite. Oh. Where there's that commander asshole. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Saying then. that to Kira. So yeah, I because I had the same thought, but I stand corrected. It's actually a different scene. Yeah, I think it's it's all um it's all Kira thinking about this because Mu is not paying attention to anything Rao is saying. Yeah. Other than trying to shut him up because he knows it's getting to Kira. Although I do get the feeling more that it's not that Mu is abandoning Kira so much as he's getting away from him yeah. because Rao is shooting at him because he's got a gun. Yeah, no, I wasn't saying he's giving up on leaving Kira behind. I think he's giving up on Kira being useful in this fight. Oh, yeah, I think he gave up on that already. And Rao's like, humans are amazing, and it shows the bloody Valentine tragedy. <laughs> it shows humans doing a bunch of murders. Which I guess is what Rao thinks is amazing. Well, it is historically what humans are best at, so, I mean, I guess it makes a certain amount of <laughs> doing, sense. Doing murders? I feel like we're really good at building, like, interstate highways. <laughs> Have you driven down 25 lately? Yeah, actually. It was pretty alright. So it's basically just a recap of, hey, look at all this stuff that died. It's, I think it's more saving animation, because, oh, we, we, we paid some money to animate some faces. Gotta, gotta recoup that budget somewhere. <laughs> So anyway, Moo's like, or Rao's like, so I think they should probably all die. That seems good. And Moo's like, what gives you the right to decide that? And they exchange some gunfire. Rao does a cool reload. And with a very Joker's face, yells, I'm the only one who has that right. For some reason. I don't really understand his logic behind this, but. So then we get Moo's, or Rao's origin, finally. Which is that Moo, the Flogga's dad, was a prick. So and he was and he told Glenn he became hey I will pay for your artificial womb if you clone me because you know that's against the law right now but laws are dumb they'll change they'll change after they see how cool my clone is and I was like hey Moo remember that time when I was a little kid and we met and Moo's like I guess we get to see baby Rao and Moo be like Moo's dad being like ah oh, my son sucks because he was born from that woman but this clone will be awesome so I'll give him all my money. And then tells the nanny or something, or maybe Moo's mom to, like, take care of him or something. And then the house burns down. Rao burns the house down. Yeah, I think it's heavily implied Rao burned the house down. I think he says as much. But anyway, he murdered them. I also, do like his the name, name was Al. I do like the name Al the Flaga. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's another one of those situations where it's like, you got all these weird names, and then you just Al. Uh, I mean, also Patrick. That's kind of my point. Yeah, well, I think they're just in such a such a state in the future that national names aren't really a thing anymore. They just kind of pick one. And Moo is finally starting to buy into it a, a little, presumably because he does remember all these events that Rao is kind of talking about. So on this revelation, we get the eye catch. Hey there, Space Cowboys. I'm going to keep this one short because this episode is already running late this week. Although, I always say that it's going to be short, and then it's never actually that, probably because I ramble exactly like I'm doing right now. So, hey, let's get to, to it. Uh, no real meat and potatoes this week. Go rate us on Tune Eyes and also Dotify. Yeah. Also, hey, if you listen to that, like, stinger thing... The, the end cap that I do at the end of every episode. Let me know what you thought of this one, because I wavered between what I did and also pulling some scene out of Big O about tomatoes, because Rai was talking about clones the entire time. And I think I may have made a bad choice, but maybe it was a good one. I don't know. We'll find out. 
Anyway, I'll let you get back to the show and find out all about Rao and Kira and I guess also Moo's secret origin story, which is not very secret or very helpful as an origin story. Goodbye. And then we cut back to space battles or space almost battles. Space positioning speak. And Nataro's like, hey, we might not win. And Azrael's like, well, you should make that happen. It's a business thing. And <laughs> Nataro's like, well, in failing business, you just like lose money. Failing war, you die. And Dick is like, it's the same thing. No, it's not, you moron. Hey, I, I hate you. <laughs> of course you only fight battles you know you'll win. Never fight fair. They're way too easy to lose. To defend Azrael a little bit, since I'm the only one who's going to do it, I think it kind of paints him as a person who's gotten where he is by taking risks. Yeah. Like, he's got a bit of a cavalier attitude, but I think he has had to make risks to get where he is, is what he's saying. So he's kind of... And he even agrees with your point of view, Zach. He's like, are you the person who only fights battles they can win? Well, there's nothing wrong with that, I suppose. So I think he would agree with your point of view there but I, he also literally says nothing ventured nothing gained also he's desperate to get this freedom before the nazca class vessels do we then cut back to uh diarca and izak and diarca continues to give some exposition like oh the guy who of the freedom's the guy who used to pilot the strike he's a, he's coordinator. a coordinator also he's, he's actually not friend. a dick and izak has some flashbacks so all the times Athrun could have killed them Mostly just to, like, him being good friends with Athrun, but also to the freedom saving his life, in contrast to, like, how much he hated the pilot of the strike. Like, I think that's a big bit of conflict for Izak, because I think he has a respect for the uh, freedom pilot, because he saved not only his life, but a whole bunch of the Zaf soldiers' theirs lives. And he could so, easily have killed most of them if he wanted to. So this is a pretty big cognitive dissonance that, like, to Izak, the worst person in the world is this guy who literally saved his life. And there's, well, I think Zach's favorite uh, Diarca line. Uh, I'm not nearly as devoted to this crazy cause as those two guys are. I mean, I'm mostly in it for the, <laughs> for the I, cute chick. I do like, well, I like that line because it's, because to be fair, Athrin and Kira are a little bit overzealous, especially with uh, Kira refusing to actually kill anybody on a battlefield where it could easily get somebody else killed. But, and Diarca just pointing out, you know, I'm not that dedicated, but I've seen some shit. Mostly, this really cute girl tried to stab me once, but you know. Well, she st tried to stab him while being all pissed off yeah, about the I mean, person that that died. Yeah, the, really, the point he's making is that like we've caused tragedies. Well, and he also points out I was at Al I was at Alaska and Panama and Orb, you know, where all this really bad shit went down. And Isaac was at Panama too, and he even kind of agrees with his point of view. We saw. So the druggies are like, man, we gotta, we gotta do it, or we'll get in trouble again. Time I mean, to go be druggies. Not that they've really had any moral quandary thus far. No, but they've failed a lot. So the druggies launch, and the Dominion follows it. It the the single unit that is the druggies. Oh, by the way, I noticed this episode. Sai, who is our like radar logistics guy, is using a thermo perceive because remember, radars don't work in this universe with end jammers. Detects heat, which is kind of cool. And it detects heat using bad English. Yep. Thermoperceive. <laughs> no, it's a brand. Thermoperceive. <laughs> so the Three Steps Alliance realizes they're coming and reacts. Also, the three Nazca-class Zaf ships realize there's activity going on. But, of course, Rao hasn't returned yet. 
so we then cut back to the Joker uh, engagement, and Moo's like, ah, how, how do you believe me to ex- how do you how expect, expect me to believe this malarkey? How do you expect anyone to believe a fairy tale? And I was like, I don't want to believe it either, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Kira's peeking over what he's been hiding behind, like, should I be useful here? We cut back to the Archangel for some good battle babble. Did we come up with a name for that? I don't remember. Tack the babble. <laughs> I like it. Tack the ramble. So Rao's like, I'm going to name drop the episode. The file door is about to open. Roll credits. I will open it. <laughs> and then the world will end. Or something. Just like people want, because people suck and they want everything to die. Kira says that that won't happen and runs around uh, dodging some bullets, which is kind of cool. It's a very action movie. And he throws a rock at Rao. I, I don't think it's, I think it's a piece of metal. So, or, you know, some sort of debris and knocks his mask off. And this is deserving of one of those cool anime show it from three angles shots. What's sad about this is that it then zooms in on Rao's face and... I don't know what I'm supposed to see here because he looks like an anime guy. I think it's supposed to imply that he looks like Moo. Yeah, or to show like he is a dude under there. Yeah, that is true. He has it's, no it's particularly a... good reason for wearing the mask, and that's kind of disappointing. I think the real problem with it is the show has teased us with like shots of like, oh, Rouse masks off. Maybe you'll get to see who he is. But even if has... I had seen him with his yeah. mask off, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, imp- that's the problem. Is implicitly it says, oh, hey, this is a mystery. I should be thinking about who this guy is, but. It's not a fair mystery that you can guess the answer to, yeah. which is fine, but it makes all the shots where it's teased us with that really weird. Yeah, it's well, a giant spa- alien space worm. To right? be fair, there are other... The one that springs to mind that's kind of similar in respect is uh, Zex out of Gundam Wing. I mean, it's not really a mystery you could come up with, it and it's kind of... kind of, of a, It's teased it's a kind, Well, bit. it's kind of an implied mystery there, too, but they don't really go into it because it's not but it's not teased as much but he has a reason for wearing a mask because he's a known political figure yeah that's the thing the other mask wearing characters in gundam usually have a reason for it they could actually be found out why does char wear a mask same Same reason reason. i was gonna bring up char he is like the son of the former leader of zeon and like they probably wouldn't recognize him but he wants to make sure they don't but like they never show like oh you might see who char is with his mask off this is like we're supposed to be guessing at his identity but you can't and it's only like subtle things the show does that kind of creates that but since it doesn't pay it off it's kind not of great yeah it's really disappointing yeah whereas like when we found out who zex is it's not disappointing at all because, because they weren't act it was yeah. actually kind of neat because they weren't actively trying to make you wonder who he was or, or with char before you find out who he is you see him without his mask off so there's no like mystery there you know what he looks like yeah so Atherin's like, hey, Mooks, you guys protect the ship. I'm going out to fight those three alone. And they're like, yep, we'll probably die out there, so good luck with that. Although, to be fair, the, the machines that they'd be going up against probably have higher specs than their machines. Yeah. So, like, that actually makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, they die, one, because they're not main characters, and two, because they're not piloting Gundams. The Eternal is also launching this time, and Waltfelt gets to do some cool tacta battle. And, but I've always had a problem. Like, I've always had a problem with this particular instance because Moo is still armed and has a gun pointed straight at Rao as Rao is giving his last Joker speech, but for some reason doesn't shoot him. He's so, a little stunned. I yeah, think. so we see the shocked reaction they have, which would work a lot better if this was a reaction. And like Tyler said, I think we're supposed to see he looks like Moo. It just doesn't really because we as the audience aren't shocked because it's not a very good reveal. It doesn't read that these guys are shocked, even though like. The animation, it's clear that's what's going on. It just doesn't play very well. 
Anyway, well, Enmu's Ra- face doesn't really reflect any kind of shock in the. He's also in the like shot. in the close-ups. I feel like it does, but not, not in this long shot. Not really. But Rue's like everything's gonna end in chaos. Run away, and then Mu collapses. The druggies underestimate their opponent. Atherin goes Super Saiyan and starts fending off the druggies. The Archangel and the Dominion start trading fire. The uh, Archangel has its Godfrey that was broken back, but there actually was a shot earlier that showed them repairing it. I didn't go over at the time, but yeah. I took note of it Although, when I was watching it the first time. Given the fact that it was completely destroyed without time and dry doctors, no way you fixed that. They had the horrors work on it. <laughs> <laughs> they had magic. They had their magical. They had a crane. There's an earthquake where Isaac and Diarca are talking, and Rao's like, hey, we're getting out of here. Also, that Time was the Lugo. scene I was talking about where they just both stumble backwards. <laughs> I really oh. feel like that would be an abusing gif. And Diarca's like, yeah, if you insist that I'm an enemy, go ahead and shoot me. And Isaac tries to, just says, you're, you're being lied to. You're being deceived. And Diarca's like, yeah. Eh. I wonder which one of us is actually being deceived. I, I like Diarca's just like, shrug. I, I, whatever. Anyway, I'm out. Laters. <laughs> Lates, dude. And obviously, Miriel is trying to get in contact with any of the three that are over there because, you know, Atherin's good, but there's more of them than there are of him. And there are still those three Zap ships who could join the engagement at any time. We get some sweet Gundam fights in between the sweet flagship fights. And kind of the power balance stays the same, that the three druggies are better than the... A single... Yeah, Atherin or Kira. Kira Atherin. But, but if there are both of them, then they can just trash the three. Lacus asks if they can use Meteor yet, but uh, Walt feels like, oh, we need another minute and a half before it'll be charged. And Diarca is like, hey, I'd rather not fight you if I don't have to. Later! <laughs> he just takes off. Whereas Isaac is having like a anime broody moment <laughs> with his hair blowing in the wind caused by the buster taking off. And Kira's like, well, um, our enemy ran away, so I guess it's time for us to go. Can you stand? Moose's like, yeah, maybe if you help me. My cool's leaking out my side. <laughs> I also like that the Freedom is also supporting the strike in the next scene we see of them flying well, I mean, back. it makes yeah, sense because they're not, they're not going to be able to fit Moo in the cockpit of the Freedom as well as they can't really leave the strike behind. Yeah, I was going to say, they can't leave the strike. I, I did notice that in the first scene, and my thought was, what about the strike? What are they going to do with that? Because I wasn't, I was trying to write notes at the same time. I like it as, like, Kira has to support him in both places. It's a nice uh, touch. And Rui gets to be shocked that Moo's been injured. That, Meanwhile, that is, Isaac has to bring carry the captain back. That that is clearly not where the budget went from Maru's reaction shot. Oh, that's one we've seen before, and before it's just been like a mild a, a surprise. So she's mild surprised that her boyfriend <laughs> got hurt. You know, Tuxedo Mask was always getting crystals and shoved through his stomach. So <laughs> somewhere along the line, the duel got really banged up. Well, you and know, Rao teleports. <laughs> I actually like this that Isaac goes to help Rao, and he's already out of the seat. Uh, meanwhile, Flay's just hanging out in Rao's room at, when he runs in and starts going for his drugs. I gotta take my anti-Joker pills. I do really weird plot revelations where I haven't had my meds. That's <laughs> the other thing about Rao that they never really... He's, all, he's got all the masks. I, I love that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Him having like four masks no, in his I don't have a problem with that. It's a, he's got, like, they, but that's not what you're saying. I know. It's like, hey, he needs these drugs. Okay. We just explained it. Not really. I mean, he's a yeah. degenerative clone. Yeah, it, I guess? it's explained by implication, but it's never outright stated. And I, I don't mind it, but it's also not great either. So, really quick, 
How does he attach that mask? Because you see him clipping it on, but it looks like he's just like bolting it to the side of his head. I, I think there's there's it's implied that there's a strap that goes around the back and actually uh, clips into there. But you yeah. clearly see that it just ends right there. I think it's supposed to be implied to be hidden by his hair. Yeah. Okay. He does have that luxurious blonde hair. That is true. It allows him to make the decisions about who lives and who dies. So he jams, he jams his uh, communication buttons like, hey, get the re- mobile suits ready, start flying towards them, order our other two ships to go. We can't stand here and watch, can we? I do love how angry he is as he's giving these orders. That you're like, hey, last time you were talking, you're like, just chill, hang out, it'll be cool. And now you're like, ah, fire all the missiles. <laughs> kill them all. And get my old mobile suit ready because my new one got blown up real good. And then he, like, takes a couple deep breaths and then, like, turns around and, like, super nicely goes to play like, hey, I got a job for you, man. It's very Joker. and I love it. <laughs> it's because, like, it's that whole, like, angry stuff was either an act or those pills work real fast. Or and they both read He's just well a really good actor. Yeah. When we're, like, one of these He's really good at dissembling. Yeah. I always kind of get the more, the more of the feeling because of how he's been throughout the rest of the series. He's just really good at dissembling when it, yep. when he he can act however he needs to in any given situation. So that is like the only genuine that rage was like the only genuine emotion we've ever seen from him. But now he's all nice to play. He's like, I need your help with something. My final gamble on whether or not the door will open. And Flay's like, I have no idea what door you're talking about. I have not been part of your whole speechifying this whole episode. Is this a good door? Is this a bad door? Is this a doggy door? I was playing mobile games until you got here. <laughs> I, I, Sorry, I, I'm in the middle of Angry Birds. So we see Athrun slowly losing the fight against the druggies. But it's, there's some very cool animation with it. We get a cool him detaching the backpack to dodge something. And then Kira shows up. And then Kira also goes Super Saiyan. To keep the uh, balance of power the way it should be, two on three is a win for the two. Obviously. Well, I guess <laughs> mobile suits will work a little bit like ninjas, but not to the same extent. There's a real rad scene of Kira straight up Jediing some beams with his beam saber. I actually don't really like that personally, because, I mean, he's got the shield... So having them just straight up Jedi something is just, I, I don't care for it. Seems a little more ridiculous than the rest of the series has already been implied. And it's not even two on three because Diarchus shows up, even though he's not very helpful and his blast just kind of blows off the shotgun. Aren't the yellow ones supposed to be railgun shots? Yeah, presumably they just weren't enough to pierce the armor or something. Well, it, it showed it bouncing off the like the shield that is the beam deflection shield. That uh, That's also a shotgun, though. I take it as, like, it's scattering the impact. But. Also, aren't they supposed to be protected against physical impact because face armor? But those shields are his, like, beam, like, curvy shields. Yeah. So that's what Zach's talking about. Presumably they would block also just regular projectiles. Well, we've Except seen, like, with the strikes seen... or the Freedom's Rail Guns have, like, damaged them before. And we've also seen them take damage through just straight-up kinetic energy by, like, being kicked, which is about the same thing. That's why I've always kind of thought they're a little weird. The whole, uh... Phase shift armor is a little odd because kinetic energy doesn't really be deflected like that. Yeah, it's uh, like there have been in past Gundam series beam deflection armors and they're like, hey, what if we did physical instead? And physical just doesn't make as much sense. Well, you can have reactive armor. It just doesn't work like that. Uh, so we kept the Moo in the hospital being uh, kind of sad. I mean, it, it's, not what it's, it's not what it's supposed to be, but he's like looking off to the side where all the drugs are like, man, I could really go for some morphine right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, moves into that. We get to see the uh, 
Yeah, what is the name of Lacus's ship? The Eternal. Eternal. Yes. The Eternal being rocked. We get some good Star Trek nonsense We there. get Kira's generic recycled attack. While he has flashbacks to Rao kind of spouting about how humans suck and are going to get everyone killed. And the Nazca classes have showed up to make this a three-way. I, Only there are three of them, so they kind of have the advantage. I do kind of like, like, as soon as the announcement is made, you know, the Nazca class vessels are approaching. You know, Natarl's kind of surprised and, oh, this is going to be bad. And Twat freaking panics. So two random-ass Zaf soldiers are throwing Flay into some sort of escape pod. And like, what's up with this? And like, I don't know. Commander had some crazy plan. You know how he likes his crazy plans. <laughs> and Flay's like, well, crap. So we get a flashback to Rob being like, man, I am so tired. So will you give this weird diskette to... Uh, give them this uh, floppy Barbie? disk. Yeah, to, to the Earth Forces... It's probably just going to blow up all the plants or something. I don't know. He has a grudge against Patrick Zala. He has a grudge against everyone. I also like the scene where he's like talking to the captain and he's got his hand behind his head. Like he's kind of embarrassed or something. Well, I, I got I the idea like that he's hitting a button. Yeah, I, I, thought. I thought it was like he was hitting a button or like some type of uh, futuristic Bluetooth headset. Oh, I thought he was supposed to be looking nonchalant. Well, I get the feeling that it was like he's got a microphone. Yeah. That he's that he's normally like attached over the top of somebody's. Okay. Like, have you seen the some of those sub movies where you know the commander? I've got something, and the guy just takes the headset and is listening to it yeah. without actually putting it on. I think that's kind of supposed to be the idea because okay. he's actually talking to the Dominion here. I think it's actually just on an open channel. He's like, uh, before we start battle, I would like to return a captive to you. And Azrael and the are like, what the Who? fuck? <laughs> The episode ends on Rao having a nice uh, grin, and then the little escape pod that Flay is in, looking kind of sad and tired. Oh, they and have that's the, the weirdest escape pods. I don't know if that's supposed to be an escape pod or like a one-man shuttle. I figure it's supposed to be an escape pod because I think that's what Lacus called it earlier. Yeah, it definitely looks like an escape pod. So I think you're probably right on that. So that's the opening door, which is, I don't want to say one of the more problematic episodes because that makes it sound like it's racist or something. Yeah. And it's not... <laughs> bad in that way it's just the reveal in it is really bad i like because there's the... not really been anything leading up to it is it, really the problem it's, it's a twist without any build-up it's like hey look here is so great because of these reasons which actually it seems more like to try and explain away stuff that's been going on earlier like a writer frantically realized oh shit we need to explain this i don't even feel like it explains anything though No, that's my point is it doesn't explain it, it feels more like we need to explain something here by doing something there are them some thematic turns that are a result of this episode that I like. I talked about how Rao from this point kind of represents chaos. Like the Earth forces and the plants are two opposing forces that uh, because of their different ideologies are clashing. And Rao is kind of this third party from this point on that's just about conflict. And I kind of like that. And there's that. also the other third party that's just about peace. Yeah. And I kind of like that as like a like big story archetype. Like, he gets to represent that, and that kind of works for me. And there are some thematic things with Kira because of this that I'll talk about in the next episode. It creates some conflict for Kira because he's kind of needed that since his arc is basically over at this point, and he kind of needs something new. But it doesn't work as well as the stuff that the first half of the series had. My problem, my main problem with it is that you're, they're doing all this stuff in Act 3. You're on the end conflict. You don't want to add more crap here because you're just cluttering everything up. If it worked better, I don't think that would be a problem. Because like I just said, Kira doesn't really have any personal stakes in this anymore, which is kind of a problem. Atherin's got the conflict with his dad. 
Uh, Lacus kind of has the, although it's mostly resolved, fact that her dad's dead to work to worry about. Same with Kigali to a greater extent. Kira doesn't have anything going on personally, really. So it, there needed to be something. This just isn't the best choice. Uh, it just, it, it doesn't work. Because, like you said, it's like teasing something that doesn't really mean anything to the viewer. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it had been more implied about Moo's backstory with his dad and all this stuff had come up earlier in we the We need series. a lot more of that, I think, to make it work. And we like we need to think that Rao is probably Moo's dad for this twist to work. Because yeah, like, then we're thematically correct, but not like exactly correct. There, there needs to be more of Moo's backstory. To this point, it was just, oh yeah, they know when each other are on the battlefield and they kind of reflect each other's position on either side, but... There's not really any meaning to this reveal. We as a group, we, we like, we like Rao. Or not Rao. We like Moo. I, I kind of like Rao as an antagonist earlier in the series too. But we don't know a whole lot about, like, what brought Moo to this location. So the fact that Rao is a clone of his dad, who we have absolutely no idea who this is, it's meaningless. I would also like to point out that the fact that their heroes entirely happen Sandral, and Rao's just like, ooh, I'll take advantage of that. Like, when was he planning on telling anyone about all this otherwise? I, I think he wasn't, and this is just, like, a chance for him to confess his plans, and, like, you know, there's probably a part of him that maybe wants to be stopped. He's even, like, we'll see more of this next episode. He's put the key in Flay's hands and thrown her into the middle of a combat situation. That could definitely not go his way. So I think there's a part of Rao who thinks, like, he's chosen by a higher power to do this, but he also wants to test that theory by, like, literally giving their setting up chances where he could fail. So, like, that if he doesn't, oh, it must be divine providence then. That's at least how I read what he's doing. I could say he's definitely delusional, so I could definitely read some of that into it, but I don't know. I what don't he's really going to be get doing. that feeling. I just kind of get the feeling that someone decided they needed another conflict point. I mean, we had to wrap up Rouse somehow. He's already a character that exists, he's clearly got his own agenda. So we kind of need to establish what that is. Even though I agree they didn't do a very good job. All right. So that's episode 43 slash 45. If you're watching the old version. Do we have high points, Tyler? Um, I think mine specifically is the first scene we get of Rao becoming the Joker in like the kind of diagonal profile shot. Just like that short speech she gives there in that particular view. Oh, no. It's, it's really good. And starts... It gave me a cool vibe. I liked it. Zach? Sorry, what now? High point. High point. Okay. It's hard. I really don't like this particular episode because I think most of it's probably a low point. But I think I'd probably have to go with it's a matter of uh, Moo's kind of protection of Kira uh, and going off to one side while Rao was giving his stupid speech. <laughs> And trying to draw attention away from Kira, who at that point is not in any position and to defend himself. Like generally playing bodyguard to this poor shell-shocked kid. Yeah, even though he's already injured. So I was kind of going to go with the early facial features, the, how well they animated some of those. But since Tyler kind of took that, I'm going to say the end of the episode in the three-way conflict it sets up. Gundam Seed's very good at setting up tense moments for the next episode to key off of. And the next episode is basically one big fight keyed off of this set up here oh, nice. over uh 
this tactical point that is Flay being thrown into the middle of this battle. And I really like how it's set up. Also, like, bonus high point, I guess, is Rattler Crusade's acting, his, like, turn on a dime from angry and frantic to perfectly suave and reasonable. It's very good. All right, low points, Tyler? Um, I mean, I feel like I can't take the obvious one. The low-hanging fruit? Yeah. Don't worry, Zach will. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll leave that there for him, actually. I'm, I'm actually just going to say the just the druggies being kind of resigned, but not really, to their whole thing. Oh, also, bonus high point, just Diarca, just this entire episode. <laughs> Diarca's <laughs> always good. Diarca is great. Zach? Uh, I, I have to go for the low-hanging fruit because I've been harping on it. This, this reveal is terrible. Yep. It, it's god-awful. I don't think it's that bad, but it's definitely probably a low point it's, in the it's series. It's mostly just disappointing, I think, is really the bit. Like, it's not... It, it's because it's setting up the final conflict between like, Rao as, like, the main antagonist. This is what we have to build on. And I like it a lot thematically. Like I said, Rao kind of represents the other. He represents chaos. And I really like a struggle against that, since, like, the main character's ideals are kind of lofty. That but, makes sense. But in a way, he's more of a cartoony villain to me than Azrael. They both are really cartoony. It's just that reveal is meaningless because it's like, hey, I'm a clone of your dad. Okay, okay. we don't know anything about Moose's like, childhood and his parentage. Like, they could so... have done a lot throughout this pretty long show to build up to that, and they did nothing. I mean, hell, even a couple of lines here and there about Moo's family would have done a lot more to help this kind of thing out as opposed to it just coming out of left field. Oh, yeah, you know, I used to be a rich kid. Then my parents died in a mysterious fire. Oh, well, let's go drinking. And that's Moo. Ah, <laughs> uh, you guys have taken most of them, so let's see. There's lots of bad animation in this episode. There's also lots of good animation, so yeah. it's hard to like take that as a low point. This series has been reusing animation the whole series, so harping on it now doesn't seem particularly fair. So I'm going to go with how empty a lot of Rao's like, psychological babbling is. Like This is the sort of stuff that really spoke to me as a teenager, but it's just utterly empty. Some of it is good character stuff. Knowing that Rao is a nihilist is important, but so much of it is just kind of this philosophy babble that's meaningless. So that's going to be my low point. One thing I like about the show in general is how it shows a bunch of different characters in a bunch of different situations. I actually felt like this episode jumped around a little too much, got a little bit scattered. Diarca and Izak are great and they need to have that conversation, but there's not much to that conversation, so we don't really get to see much of it. Yeah, well, because... Uh... Because I mean, it's exactly got, the scene you think it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, Isaac is very stubborn in what he is. He's very much for the cause and all that, but he's got the cracks, but I, he's still got his honorable warrior thing going on. So he's not going to change, and Diarca's pretty much set with what he's going to do, so that, that conversation's really boring. I feel like Isaac's honorable warrior thing lines up perfectly with Kira's motivation. Not really. Now, well, yeah, let's let's fight people to stop the war instead of killing innocents for no apparent reason. Like, I feel like that falls in line. Except for Kira's idea is, let's not kill anyone. Well, yeah, but he's the only one doing that. He's not beholding anyone else to that. Like, I get the feeling that Isaacs is more about, I want a decent challenge. Isaacs is fair. about his own personal pride. It's a very Japanese honor thing, obviously. But, like, he does it because he wants to prove his worth. Like, I think Isaac would be fine in a battle that, like, where no one died. Like, I think Izak is there for the thrill of the fight, not killing. He wants a challenge. Yeah. I don't think he really cares about killing someone. He just wants a challenge to prove what he can do. 
All right. So before we wrap this episode up, let's put a mobile suit on our list. We haven't put the M1 Astray on yet. There's not really any mobile suits featured in this episode. So <laughs> I think the Astray is a good. The hardest part about to. the Astray is it doesn't really get a whole lot of screen time yeah. rel- relative to everything else. I actually like it. It's got like understated wings compared to the Freedom's like ridiculous goddamn literally an angel's wings. They're closer to the Strike, uh, the pers- specifically the Ale Strike. Let's start comparing it to the other mass-produced unit based on the Strike, the Dagger. I like the Astrays more than the Dagger. The Dagger has a better color scheme, but the Astrays have a much sleeker design, and like pre- the head looks less stupid. I prefer the Astrays as well, and I think I like the Daggers more than you guys do. So let's go way up to its obvious inspiration, the Ale Strike. Do we think it's better than like the actual Gundam it's based on, or... I uh, don't. Not, not as much. It's, a, it's more streamlined because it's not an attachment pack, and I really like that. Uh, it's also kind of weird that it's a mass-produced suit that just looks like a Gundam, though. That and is I don't want to knock it for that, but like that's always been a little weird to me. I mostly am deeming it points on the slightly less cool color scheme. I kind of like the orange and white, but that's just me. I don't really care if it looks like if it's a mass-produced look like a Gundam because let's be honest, if you're going to mass-produce something, you're gonna mass-produce it. It's gonna look yeah. the same. You're yeah. not really gonna change the design over much. It's just weird from a meta level, not an in-fiction level. So let's compare it to another mass-produced mobile suit with wings. Then the Din, Zaf's interceptor air unit. It's I like the Din quite I, a bit, but yeah. I really like the design of the Astray. Yeah, this was hard for me because I like both of them quite a bit. Oh, no. I'm going to defer for a second. Jeremy. I actually think I prefer the Astray to the Din, even though I also like the Din quite a bit. I think this is about the right area for it. But... Okay. Well, that's two votes Astray, so I don't have to make a decision. Ain't so, it great? How do we think it compares to the Duel with its Assault Shroud on? I prefer it to the Duel, but that's because I think the Duel is just really boring. I think I might have to give it to the Astray, actually. Yeah, my my vote is also for the Astray, I think. So that's all three of us. So how do we think it compares to a... I was going to say a real Gundam, like the Duel isn't a real Gundam, or the Duel. <laughs> How do we think it compares to the Blitz? The Blitz is Nichols, right? Yes. For whatever reason in my head, the Buster and the Blitz always get reversed, and I don't know why. The Blitz has a really cool concept. It's I just like the Blitz's concept. I like the Blitz's color scheme, but I honestly, I don't think I really like the Blitz. Huh. I know it's weird. Isn't I like it? everything about it, but I don't like it. <laughs> is it the weapon loadout? Because it is kind of odd. I think it's the weapon payload. I think it's the payload. Yeah, it does have the cool like shield. It, spike it is things. cool, but like you don't want to see that on another Gundam, right? That's You're not fair. like why don't they? Why didn't they do that again? That's now, why fair. didn't that? Why didn't they put that on the Destiny? Since they put everything else on. I've it. really come around on the Destiny. They have a, a model of the Destiny at Hobby Town USA right now that looks fantastic. But we'll talk about that in the future. I don't know. Like, I really like the cloaking. That's always been a thing that I've liked. Um, I mean, it is basically just Death Sight, though. And, and a Death way worse way Death cooler. Sight. Yeah, it's a way worse Death Sight. Um, so I think I'll give it to the Astray. How do we th- compare to the Sky Grasper, then? <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the Astray to the Sky Grasper. You prefer a robot to a jet? Yes. I mean, to be fair, the Sky Grasper is pretty freaking cool. It's the coolest jet there ever was. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with Zach. I'm actually kind of surprised the it's Sky Grasper ended up above the... <laughs> the Blitz? Yeah. Zach really doesn't like the Blitz. <laughs> all right, so how about we compare it to the Calamity, then? There's I like... the one with all the guns. The I like one big with all the guns. guns. And you cannot lie. <laughs> exactly. I'd probably still give it to the Calamity, if I'm honest. Calamity's definitely more unique. 
the Astray is pretty cool. It's got a very sleek design, but it's also pretty basic at the end of the day. It's got yeah. a gun and a shield and a sword. Yeah, no, and I definitely, I think I agree with Zach that I prefer the Calamity. So, final question, is it better or worse than the Legau? Huh. The Legau was Walt Feld's machine, right? Correct. Yeah, the the, the double. I really like the I, I really like the command Baku, the Legau. I really like that design. I like the idea. So I'd have to give it to the Legau. I I'm surprised the Legau got this high. I remember it going this high because you guys both really like it. Yeah. But I never liked the Zoids. So <laughs> I really like I kind of did. So. <laughs> so, oh, look, I like Zoids. But let's not get the record wrong. I didn't like them in Gundam Seed. <laughs> yeah, this is. Kind of a hard one. I think I would also have to agree with Zach. I prefer the Legau. Yeah, see, that, that's the that's the correct answer. Just always agree with me. There you go. I mean, you could sway my opinion, Jeremy, if you have a particularly strong... No, I just don't like the... Uh, the Legau as much as we do. Yeah. Uh, the command unit is cool. It's cool that it's a double pilot mech. I wish there were more of those in Gundam, to be frank. I mean, you could paint me a, a word picture of the Astray. I mean, no, I'm surprised it's going this high. I agree, but I'm surprised. Uh, so the M1 Astraea goes at number eight below the Legao and above the Skygrasper. Which one is at number one? Just the Launcher Strike. The Launcher Strike. Yeah, big guns. Yep. Launcher Strike's very good. It's my favorite of the strikes, so I'm not surprised. All right, so that pretty much does it for this episode. Turn in next week where we get a big-ass fight. Episode 44, A Place for the Soul. It's and inside a clone body. That's a, that's the secret. And if you're uh, watching along, uh, stay through the credits on this one. Clones are like gingers. They don't have souls. Stay through the credits on the next one? Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. But yeah, okay. the, the last bit of Gundam Seed I ever saw was the post credit scene of this episode, because I didn't know it was there until I watched it on YouTube, and I just like decided to watch the ending credits for a reason we'll talk about next episode. And there was more after it. And I'm like, well, I have never seen this scene before. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I guess, bye. This has been a Last Podcast production, copyright 2019. Let's so, start with the last time on clip. Or let's start with Crunchyroll freezing. It likes to do that. Technical difficulties, this is going to get cut, but I'm vamping <laughs> for time anyway. That was an abrupt buy. Usually we have to really coax out.